Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful coming to you live here from the studio of Hi FM on Judaism 101.9. This is Rabbi Michael Katz saying hi and welcome. Great to be in your company for the next 45 minutes or so as we explore uh, some of the things that you need to know on Judaism 101.9, particularly pertaining to the upcoming Great Chag, the Great Festival of Pesach, which is so close. It is absolutely within touching distance. Yes, it all begins actually tomorrow night. Yes, you heard it loud and clear, tomorrow night. There is so much that has to be done starting from tomorrow night that um, warrants special mention because... I think that a lot of people may have in their minds that, well, it only begins on Friday night and uh, we've got a wonderful public holiday coming up on Friday and there's so much time to do all the stuff to get ready for Pesach. We've got to remember that it starts in earnest with a lot of things tomorrow evening, Erev Pesach, the evening before Pesach, which will be Thursday evening. Now that is because there is a tremendous amount that has to be done tomorrow evening as part of the legal requirements, as part of, yes, you heard it, the legal, it's not just customary. There are certain laws that we have to keep and there are certain customs that are kept. And there is a law that we actually have to search our homes tomorrow evening for chametz. Tomorrow night, we say a special bracha as we go around the home armed with a candle, a feather, and a wooden spoon. That's the tradition. And with that, we search. We take a look around and try and find any chametz that was not otherwise accounted for. So it's not the stuff that you've necessarily locked away in order to keep for after Pesach or that you've put away to be sold with the stuff that's going to be sold. And we spoke about the sale of chametz last week. But tomorrow evening, come nightfall, we go around and actually do a physical search of the house. The entire family should be present. Everybody should join you, everybody who's living in the home. It's going to be reminiscent, I guess, a little bit of lighting the Hanukkah candles when we strike the match and we light the flame of the candle with which we search. And yes, it does say in Jewish law that we should use a candle preferred to um, a torch or any other electrical light because the candle flame has got something spiritual about it, which they don't. And we go around with this candle and we search in nooks and crannies, tabletops, counters, <laughs> cupboards, wherever it may be, we go around checking out and searching to see if we can find any chametz. And hopefully we don't, because by now our homes should already have been, tomorrow evening they should already have all been cleaned out. Everything should be pristine and wonderful. But there may just be one or two places that you forgot to check, that you forgot to look. And that's what you want to look for now. If it should so happen that you don't find anything on your search, well, there were some opinions that then the bracha that you made, the blessing, was um, made in vain because we need to search, we need to find. There needs to be something that we find in that biur chometz, in that search and check and nullification of the chometz. And therefore, um, we actually physically do customarily place certain pieces of uh, chametz, of real chametz, of bread, that we carefully place inside a wrapping. We put them in a place 
and in a way whereby they're not going to drop crumbs or they're not going to be bumped over. And then you'll have the problem that your beautifully cleaned carpets now may have some crumbs in them. We make sure that they're wrapped. We make sure that they are numbered or at least listed so that we know that we've put out the correct amount and that we've collected the correct amount. You don't want to find on Pesach that there was one piece that you forgot to pick up. And this process is done tomorrow evening. So tomorrow evening we do what we call the search for the chametz, and that takes place at nightfall. Place those pieces around the home in any place where you may have had chametz, in any room where you may have used chametz. Yes, we do not do this necessarily in a bathroom um, or any um, place like that, but rather in places where there may have been or there would have been chametz for sure. We go around, we check, we spend some time searching. Now, usually people try to rush this and go through it very, very quickly. There is on record the uh, uh, tally of many, many a great sage who spent the entire night searching for chametz because the idea of the search of chametz is not just a halachic requirement. It's not a custom. It doesn't pertain just to one group of Jews and not to others. It is a law mentioned clearly in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law, that this is something that we have to do. We have to actually physically go around and do this search for the chametz. And we go around, we check. We make sure that we find something, we place it in a safe bag or in a uh, wrapper in some way whereby nothing is going to be lost and nothing is going to fall down. We put all the items that we have utilized for the search, the candle, the feather, the uh, wooden spoon, the bag, um, anything that may have been utilized for the search. We have made a bracha as we begin um, the search of the chametz. We make a blessing. Everybody should be present. It is also um, correct not to talk for the duration. Now, I know this is a time when uh, everybody likes to uh, uh, be pointing out and saying things and uh, perhaps poking a little bit of fun at the whole process um, because you're going around the house in an unusual fashion with the whole family following in tow with your candle and your feather and your spoon, it uh, seems somewhat um, uh, different and strange, but yet very much part and parcel of uh, Jewish life and Jewish law. We go around, we search, we find the chametz, we put it in a safe place, and we keep it aside for burning the next morning. On the morning of Friday morning, we are actually going to burn that chametz that we found. But that's not before we conclude the search in the evening. And at the end of the search in the evening, we say four lines that are uh, usually placed in the front of your Haggadah. You'll find them in the back of most Sidurim as well. It is called the Kol Hamira. It is a first nullification that we are actually declaring to ourselves to God, to all and sundry, that we have done the search, that we are here by nullifying any chametz that um, we haven't been able to find. We make sure that this nullification is done in a language that we understand. Yes, if you do understand the kol chamira v'chamira, that all manner of leaven that is in my possession, which I have not seen or which or have not removed or have no knowledge of the same, shall be null and disowned as the dust of the earth, we say that at the time of the search, at the end of the search, once we have found what we've found, we've wrapped it all up, we've placed it all in a bag, and we've got it all ready for tomorrow morning. That begins tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening at nightfall, beginning the search for the chametz, getting ourselves ready for Pesach. We've got to remember, 
It's a spiritual search as much as it is a physical one. We want to make sure that at the same time as we are finding the little pieces of chametz, we are also finding the little bits of arrogance, of self-centeredness, of um, uh, selfishness that we perhaps have within ourselves represented by the chametz, and we make an effort to nullify those two, to eradicate them, to get them out of our system, because it is the humbling process of Pesach that we and that we understand will accomplish that all and do that all for us. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. We're continuing with our uh, pre-Pesach preparations and thinking about, first of all, Biur Chometz, the search for the Chometz, which is going to take place tomorrow evening, as we discussed. And then we come to Friday. Now, Friday is a day known as the day before Pesach, but it's also known as the Tainit for Bechorim. It is the fast of the firstborn. Fast of the firstborn is a day that was designated for all firstborn males over the age of Bar Mitzvah to fast on Erev Pesach. Because it was the firstborn who actually were the most or had the most to lose um, on that fateful day when uh, we were uh, quitting Egypt. And um, in case and because of the fact that the firstborn were really meant to be the priests, they had this um, priesthood kind of taken away from them um, and placed in the hands of the Kohanim because... As firstborn, they should have had perhaps an even greater propensity for godliness and for things Jewish. Unfortunately, they worshipped the golden calf and so on. And therefore, on Erev Pesach, we commemorate it with the fast of the firstborn. Now, <coughs> most Torah authorities don't want the firstborn actually to fast on that day because it will make them rush to the Seder, not enjoy um, the uh, Pesach preparations and so on. And therefore it is the one fast that we are permitted to dispense with on condition that the firstborn is invited to participate in a festive meal. And a festive meal meaning a meal that is one of the meals that one needs to have, what we call a sudat mitzvah. An actual meal that is for a simcha purpose. Now, you can't just go ahead and arrange a bris for that particular day, uh, which would qualify as a festive meal or a wedding or anything of the sort. And therefore, the one thing that we can do is we can arrange a siyum. Somebody prepares, a member of the community, the rabbi, um, somebody in the yoshul will prepare, hopefully, a siyum. The completion of a tractate. He will learn the entire tractate of Talmud and will do the siyum, do the completion of the tractate for all who are present to be able to hear. That then obligates everybody present to eat and drink something at a sudat mitzvah, at a mitzvah meal that is supposed to take place thereafter. And yes, um, it sounds like it is getting out of the fast, and that's exactly what it is doing. In order to enable the simcha of Pesach to be enjoyed correctly and properly, we enable the firstborn, all firstborn males. And by the way, um, the uh, tradition is that it is also kept by fathers of firstborn boys who are under the age of Bar Mitzvah, who need to hear that siyum on, the, uh, on behalf of their sons. Once they've heard the siyum, they can then eat and drink at that particular uh, meal and thereafter uh, customarily through the day as well. Now, that takes place early in the morning 
following shacharit, and usually that then is part of your chametz meal that takes place, uh, that is eaten on um, uh, erev Pesach in the morning. Once we have done all of that, um, we have hopefully already sold our chametz through our agent, our rabbi, or online, however you have done it, and then the sale of chametz actually takes place at the Beth Din. So, until 9.45, Beth Din has issued these times. Um, you can check them up online if you're not sure as well, or on your local Jewish calendar. 9.45 in Johannesburg on um, a Friday morning, we have to cease eating, participating in partaking of anything that has any chametz within it. So at that stage already, we switch completely to our homes being completely Pesachtik. By the way, you see all over the place that um, somehow in uh, true South African style, we talk about things being Pesachtik. It's not Pesachtik, it's Pesachtik, ready for Pesach. Um, the, uh, somehow the uh, CH, uh, the ch dropped out of the word and it became Pesachtik. There's no such thing as Pesachtik. It's Pesachtik, ready for Pesach, correct for Pesach. That means anything that is supervised, that is checked, that it doesn't have any of the grains that we're not allowed to eat on Pesach, any of the things that could become chametz or any of the things that are actually chametz. From 9.45 on Friday morning, we cease eating, participating in, partaking on of any of those things. That then... Um, enables the sale to be done by the Beth Din. You don't have to do anything. It is done on your behalf, having filled in the forms, having signed your um, uh, stuff over to your rabbi, to your agent, and to the Beth Din. Um, the only thing that you have to do by 10.45 in the morning is you have to actually burn the chametz that you found the night before. That chametz is taken. It is put into a fire that is made specifically for the burning of the chametz. It's not burnt like in your oven or on the bride that you're going to be making a little bit later. No, it needs to be something that is specifically designated for the burning of the chametz. And we toss um, the um, stuff into the flames that we are burning. It is traditional also, and yet just a tradition, that at this stage we burn our lulav, the lulav and uh, hadassim and arovis that we would have kept um, from, or if we've kept them from Sukkot's time. There is a tradition, a custom, that they are burnt together with the chametz because we don't just want to throw them into the rubbish. We don't just want to turf them out. They are um, things of sanctity, and therefore we take them out of this world, so to speak, in a way of sanctity as well, through another mitzvah, um, but just a custom to burn it together with the chametz. The chametz needs to be burnt, and at the time that the chametz is being burnt, completely incinerated, we then say the second Call Hamira, and again should be done in a language that you understand, and it says all manner of leaven which is in my possession, and now we say which I have seen or have not seen, which I have removed or not removed, shall be null and disowned as the dust of the earth, and at that stage we then are ex completely cleansed, so to speak, of any chametz in our homes, in our possession, hopefully in our hearts, our souls, our minds as well at that time, at that moment. And there are many who have the tradition at that stage to say a little piece of Kabbalistic material that may it be God's will that in the same way as I have dispensed with, as I have gotten rid of the uh, physical chametz, so may all the spiritual chametz be taken away from within me, within my soul, within my heart and my mind and so on. And all of that is done and needs to be completed by 
10.45 on Friday morning. Quarter to 11, Friday morning, is the completion of that process. Now, it is a unique thing that we're actually beginning with our Pesach Dika foods. We're actually beginning Pesach in earnest from a food, from an eating point of view, from a chomet's point of view, or the lack thereof, from the cleaning of the home and closing up the cupboards and all of that. From that point on, it's unusual that any of our Jewish festivals should begin, so to speak, early in the morning. Now, yes, we don't like candles yet, and yes, we are still able to drive and we're still able to light fire and do our uh, last-minute shopping and all that sort of stuff. But in earnest, we are and we have taken in a huge part of Pesach. Now, this is not just to be preemptive and just to be a little bit early, like we sometimes bring in Shabbos early and so on. But this is rather because it was actually at that time on Erev Pesach that the Jewish people began in earnest their preparations for Pesach with the shechting of the uh, Paschal lamb that they were going to eat that night with the preparations of the matzah and so on. And so they too had this um, uh, preparation time but it was a changeover time when we'd already gotten into uh, the body of Pesach in a huge way, albeit that Pesach hasn't yet officially dawned upon earth, um, which will only come in, of course, on Friday evening with the advent of Shabbat, with the advent of the Yom Tif, of the Chag. So all of that needs to be done. Now, there are certain requirements on Erev Pesach um, regarding what we may and we may not eat. It is um, good Jewish tradition not to eat anything that we are going to be eating um, in the Seder or things that are, let's call it the mainstay of the Seder, anything that's going to be on the Seder plate. So on Erev Pesach, we may not eat matzah. On Erev Pesach, we may not eat um, the uh, bitter herbs, we, not that you would, would want to necessarily, but we don't eat any of the maror. We don't eat any of the things, the ingredients of the haroset, which are apples or nuts um, or wine. We don't have any of those things on Erev Pesach. So at the same time as we're staying away, this is like kind of most limiting, the same time as we're staying away from anything chametz, anything that is not Pesach dick, anything that is not prepared and ready for Pesach and certified as being kosher for Pesach. At the same time, we may not eat several of the foods that are on the Pesach Seder table. Certainly no matzah, certainly no wine, certainly none of the mainstays of the Pesach Seder. You may have um, some other fruits, uh, vegetables, uh, meat, fish, etc. That is not a problem, even though it might be part of your meal, but it's not a part of the actual Pesach Seder, um, the Seder plate and uh, the items that we're using for our great Pesach Seder learning experience um, on Friday night as well as on Saturday night. So this is uh, then the order of Erev Pesach. Early in the morning, 9.45, remember, stop eating anything that is chametz. 10.45, make sure you have done your beer and by the, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, uh, your nullification, the annulment, the beetle of the chametz. Just remember that we also have to make sure that um, if we are unable to burn the chametz ourselves and you're giving it over to a proxy, you're giving it to somebody else to burn on your behalf, that you still say that call chamira. You still need to say that nullification wherever you may be, whether you're in an airport, whether you're 
traveling somewhere, whether you're already arrived at your destination, which may be out of the country or elsewhere, a Pesach program and so on, we need to make sure that we say that nullification at that time ourselves, wherever we are, and uh, that's even if we've left it for somebody else to do the actual burning. We then go into the Yom Tov. And for the Yom Tov, of course, on Erev Yom Tov, we've got to make sure that we prepare well, being especially because it is Friday night, and remember we're going to Shabbat as well, so everything needs to be properly, completely prepared before Friday night in order to take pride of place on our Pesach Seder table, including that our matzahs are there, that our wine is ready, but of course that everything is ready and made into the charoset, um, the uh, item that we make, that mixture of apples and nuts and wine that is made f- to imitate the mortar on the uh, Seder table. All our maror should be washed and checked and peeled and so on and ready for consumption at the Seder table. The eggs need to be boiled, the uh, little piece of um, chicken bone or whatever else it is that you use as the zroa needs to have been roasted, that all needs to be prepared. Salt water needs to be prepared as well on Erev um, Pesach in order to be on the Seder table. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we move on to the Seder. What are the main requirements of the Seder? What are the things without which your Seder is uh, lacking. In other words, do you have to have everything that everybody puts in front of you at the Pesach Seder? Well, there are three major requirements at the Pesach Seder, and uh, literally without these, we haven't really done the Seder properly. So let's try and see if we can at least do this for our Pesach Seder. The first one is the drinking of four cups of wine. Now, the drinking of four cups of wine is something that is obligatory on both men and women, and it's not just a sip off the top, because when there comes a time of obligation in Jewish law, when halachically, when spiritually and legally we are required to do something, there is always a time frame and there is always an amount. And the time frame and the amount, of course, for the drinking of the four cups of wine is that we should try and drink down the cup of wine as quickly as possible, of course, without choking ourselves. And the cup of wine needs to be a certain size. The minimum requirement for a cup of wine at the Pesach Seder is 90 mils. 90 mils, or 3.16 fluid ounces, that 90 mils is a smallish cup, but not a tiny little cup. This is not a little uh, tot glass. This is something that is larger than that. It's 90 mils. Or, if you wanted to measure it out, it would be approximately 18 teaspoons um, full. And with each time, and there are four times during the Seder when we're obligated to drink and we make that bracha, each person should swallow at least half of the cup of wine that he or she has in front of them, of him or her. We need to make sure, therefore, that we use a cup that is drinkable. Don't use a huge beaker uh, where you're not going to be able to drink more than half of it. And so, therefore, if you're using a 90 ml cup, you would want to drink knockdown Immediately, 50 mils of that wine. Now, the wine does not have to be sweet and high alcohol content wine. It can be light wine. It is preferable to use wine over grape juice. It is preferable to use red wine over white wine. But 
if it is a wine that you can tolerate and that you can take and that is not going to make you sick or not going to make you uh, too tipsy, especially early on in the Seder, um, the wine needs to be drunk at least 50 mils of your 90 mil cup. Of course, the majority of the cup should be drunk. First time when we make Kiddush, second time um, at the time just before we eat the meal, third time for benching, and the fourth time right at the end of the Seder, just before we sing all the beautiful songs um, that we all know traditionally are sung at the Seder table. So that should be done each time that we need to drink wine. It is an obligation, something we should do, men and women. For children, of course, you can give them grape juice, you can give them less, but only if they're under the age of bar or bat mitzvah. There is a minimum requirement for the amount of matzah as well. Now, we eat matzah. Actually, we eat matzah um, on two special occasions in the beginning of the meal and on a third occasion towards the end of the meal. It might be a hint of the fact that we have three matzahs in our seder, um, in our seder plate or in our, on our seder table, in the Pesach seder cloth. We need to eat a certain amount of matzah for each time. The first time is the time that we actually make the bracha, al-achilat matzah. And here, one needs to consume at least 29 grams of matzah, which is one ounce, which is equivalent to three quarters of a machine-made matzah or two-thirds of a handmade shmura matzah. So it's a large amount of matzah that each person needs to consume when we've made the bracha. It is preferable, if you can, do two kazetim. If you can do two, double that, um, uh, one from the uh, top whole matzah and one from the middle broken matzah or, or wherever you take it from, but you need you need to eat at least 29 grams, at least two-thirds of a, of a machine-made matzah and two th- or, or it's rather, rather three-quarters of a machine-made matzah and two-thirds of a handmade shmura matzah that needs to be consumed within four minutes. From the time that you started till the time that you end, we don't drink or eat anything else to wash it down at that stage. Certainly no wine. Um, nothing should be consumed at that at that moment. And then the second time when we eat matzah, similar amount, but here just one. And that would be when we make the Hillel sandwich. You only need to eat the 29 grams, the uh, three-quarters of a machine-made matzah or two-thirds of a hand matzah. And then we repeat that when it comes to the afikoman. Now here it is again preferable, if you can, to consume more. The, th- the first and the third are the bigger amounts, hopefully more than the 29 grams, and not just a little piece of the afikoman, not just a little piece that was hidden, but we've got to supplement, add more, so that we can consume the right amount of matzah three times during the Pesach Seder. Back with you after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Wine, and we've spoken about the matzah at the Pesach Seder, and now the third major ingredient is the maror, the bitter herbs. Now here, some people use grated horseradish or horseradish sticks. Others would use romaine lettuce, and there are different measurements. If you're using grated horseradish, the amount compacted it should be compacted into two slightly rounded tablespoons. Yes, it's a lot of horseradish, approximately 22 grams a lot of horseradish that needs to be consumed for the maror. And if you're using romaine lettuce, it's an amount compacted into three rounded tablespoons, or 
you can uh, lay it out an area of about 31 by 26 centimeters, more or less, I guess, the size of like an A4 page um, that you need to have for the maror. And once again, the maror is eaten twice, once at the first time when we make the bracha al achilat maror and a second time when we actually put it between the matzahs and we eat what is known as the Hillel sandwich. The sandwich with the matzah, the maror, um, which has been dipped into a little bit of haroset, that that is eaten um, twice during the Pesach Seder. So those are the rules and regulations for the amounts that we eat. Um, those are the things that need to be consumed. Hopefully after that you'll find some place for everything else that uh, the ladies of the house have made sure and prepared and gone to endless lengths to make sure are absolutely delicious, delectable, delightful and wonderful with all the uh, Pesach delights um, that we're used to and even some that we're not. And uh, hopefully we'll have a grand and wonderful feast. But hopefully we'll be celebrating something else this year. And that is our true an ultimate redemption. We're celebrating on Pesach, of course, the redemption from Egypt, but hopefully Elio Anovi will come sooner and he'll tell us that it's not only next year in Yerushalayim, next year in Jerusalem, but it'll be this year in Jerusalem. Please God, with the immediate arrival of Mashiach, and hopefully we'll be able to rid ourselves of all the chomets in time. We'll be ready and standing there prepared. And what better time than on the eve of Pesach to be able to really, truly enjoy Pesach as it should be with uh, in the times of Mashiach with our temple with a proper proper Pesach feast as it actually should be um, the lamb and all please God that should all happen soon I want to wish you a great rest of the week preparing for Pesach I want to wish you a great and wonderful uh, Shabbat up ahead but more importantly a great and wonderful Chag up ahead a Chag Sameach a happy and kosher Pesach to each and every one of you look forward to being back with you next week same time same place on Judaism 101.9